Well, good morning. Let me once again welcome you on this Sunday after Christmas. We're grateful that you are here in the house of the Lord, especially if you are a guest this morning. I want to welcome you if you're in town visiting with family and friends or uh, just maybe it's been a while since you've been here. Uh, we're glad to see you back. Uh, thank you for joining us online as well. A lot of our church family is out traveling through this time of year, so thank you for joining us there as well. Uh, things look a little bit different this morning, especially if you are a guest in the house this morning. Let me introduce myself. My name is Jim Carmack. I'm Community Development Director here at Hillcrest. Uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Jim Locke, asked me several weeks ago if I would fill in and give this sermon on this Sunday after Christmas so he could take off and spend a little time with his family. So that's why I'm in the house today. And things do look a little bit different this morning since we're only having one service at 9.30. Typically we have two services, 9.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings, and we also have small group gatherings and students and children and college and preschool and all those things that normally take place. So if you're visiting today and just wondering what's going on, I encourage you to come back next week. You'll get a little better taste of what things look like normally around here, as normal as things can be for 2020, of course. So we do want to welcome you. Um, I'm thrilled to be here today and, uh, and to share this message with you, especially since we only do have one service today. There's no time limit. I can preach as long as I want. Uh, I made that joke earlier to some of the guys, and Brian Davis said, yeah, you can preach as long as you want. Doesn't mean anybody's going to stay as long as they want. So thank you for staying. Give me a little bit of time. We should be out of here in three, four hours tops and be, be uh, about your business. I'm kidding. Two hours at the most. I'm kidding. Okay. Um, I do hope you've been able to enjoy this Christmas season. Again, things have been a little different, of course, we all know that, but I hope you were able to gather maybe with family and friends, maybe spend some time together sharing gifts, looking at Christmas lights around the neighborhoods. Maybe you were able to enjoy some candlelight or yuletide carols being sung by the choir. It felt like snowfall out there, even though we didn't see any precipitation, it was certainly cold enough but hopefully you were able to enjoy the warm and fuzzies of the Christmas season over the last week or so. And then you get up on Sunday morning, you make the decision to come to church, you gather, maybe put on some new outfits that you got for Christmas, you make the drive, you're all together as a family, you sit down in church ready to hear the warm and encouraging message, and you're greeted with the sermon title, Coming Judgment and the Great Separation. Merry Christmas. Let me explain, especially if you are a guest in the house this morning, this is not typically the type of message that we would preach in the holiday season, but what we're doing is we are gathering up, we're finishing up a series through the Old Testament book of Malachi. And Pastor Jim has taken us through a lot of great topics like uh, worshiping God, uh, God's love for his people, marriage, uh, giving, blessing, a lot of those type of topics that we find in Malachi. And if you've missed any of those, they are available to watch online on YouTube or on our Facebook page. But I encourage you to do that because they're really good messages. But today wraps up the Old Testament book of Malachi and actually the Old Testament itself. But it's not really a heavenly pep talk, as you'll see. Um, maybe at least not at first glance. Hopefully we can glean some wisdom from it this morning as we work through. So if you have your Bibles, you'll turn with me to the book of Malachi. We'll be in chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 13. Now the way that Malachi has been set up, it's sort of like Malachi is having a conversation between God, what God wants him to say, and then his people, the people of Israel. Malachi says, God says this to you, but you respond this way. 
So we're kind of seeing both sides of the conversation, or at least what Malachi is perceiving or what God is perceiving, the people are saying. And this section that will be in in chapter 3 today continues that pattern. So if you'll read along with me, starting in verse 13 of chapter 3, it says this. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. So basically the people are complaining. They're saying, what good is it if we even follow the Lord? Why should we bother? It's vain to serve him. Some other translations render that it's futile to serve him. It's useless to serve him. It does no good. And I want that to kind of be our question today as we get the overall view. The the question today is, is it vain to serve God? And since we're gathered at church on a Sunday morning, a church that believes and preaches the Bible, The answer is obviously no, it's not vain to serve the Lord. Thank you guys for coming. Have a great day. Shortest sermon ever. No, maybe we could spend a little bit of more time in this since you've dressed up so nicely, but but that's going to be our overall question. Is it really vain to serve God? Is there worth in serving him and in following him? And we'll look again at the text. See, the people are asking, what good does it do? Why should we follow God's laws when even the arrogant when the evildoers are prospering, when they're doing the wrong things, and it looks like they're being blessed because of it, they break the rules, and God does nothing. It's not fair. There it is. It's not fair. And that's a, that's a struggle, the, the fairness issue, the question of good and bad. You know, one of the most challenging, one of the most difficult challenges to Christianity itself is this problem, is answering this question of why do bad things happen to good people? Right? We wonder that. We have to discuss that. And I admit, it it can be a struggle, right? If if God is love, which the Bible says he is, and if God loves me, which the Bible says he does, then why do bad things happen? if God is all-powerful and all-loving and all-knowing, right? I'm sure all of you in here can think of someone who is a good person, who is kind and generous and loving and caring, and something really bad happened to them. Why? If they serve the Lord, why? Well, this is, again, a, a very broad, very difficult question to answer succinctly, but I'm gonna give you the answer that Jesus gives in the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus says, When a ruler asked him, asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Again, much broader answer, a lot we need to work through with this. But Jesus is basically saying your definition of good and bad really doesn't matter when you compare yourselves to a holy righteous and perfect God. 
That's, that's the problem of evil. That's the problem of suffering that we wrestle with. That in this earth and in this reality that we have, there is a good versus bad thing going on, but none of that is good compared to God. And again, that's a difficult answer to give when someone is walking through some painful situations and we need to have this conversation in love. But I, I, I tell you all that, I set all that up to say that what's happening here in the book of Malachi is, is actually the opposite. What the people are doing here in Malachi is they're saying, why do good things happen to bad people? Right? Why do those bad people out there get blessings when I'm struggling following God and don't get what they have? And we look at that now and we say, okay, yeah, I see what that must be like for those people then, but how often do we do that? Honestly. You know, we say, no, it's not vain to serve God. Of course not. There's worth. There's value in serving God and worshiping him and loving him. But then we go back and we compare ourselves to our neighbors or our friends or our family. And we say, they've got that really nice car and I'd sure like that. Well, their house is so much better than mine. Why did they get, why did he get promoted at his job and I've been struggling here? Why, why, why? We do that too. Maybe not with evil or hatred in our hearts, but it's, it's frustrating, right? We look at others and we compare those blessings to what we feel like we should get. We deserve this. I deserve this thing that I want. It's not fair. And there we go. Back to the situation. It's not fair. The problem with that kind of thinking is what that does, it puts God in a position where he is required to give us things. God, I will worship you and serve you. Now give me this thing I want. Right? We, we turn God into the wish fulfiller instead of the holy, righteous blesser that he is. Now, following God does come with blessings, but we want different blessings. We want the things now. Instead of saying, God, I will worship you because you are God, because you are holy and because you are worthy of all our praise. That's what our heart is supposed to be saying. And the blessings come from that good God. But we don't worship God to get the blessings. That flips it around. That makes us worshiping the gift instead of the giver. And if you look at it deep down, those gifts that we're seeking, they're temporary. Rarely do we ask God for eternal gifts. Rarely do we say, God, I don't want anything that someone else around me has, right? We look at God, to God for things that are happening to us right now, in this place, in this time, in this moment, but it's all temporary. And that's the first point I want us to see from today's lesson is that the temporary blessings that we're seeking are no match for eternal rewards, the people that answer God in the verses that we just read, they're being really short-sighted. They're saying, those people get blessings, and I want them. Those evildoers are getting good stuff, and I want what they have, but they're looking at temporary things, right? They want something now. 
But that's only one of the groups that's in this conversation in the book of Malachi. Because if we read a little bit further, there's actually a second group that responds to Malachi and what he's saying from the Lord. If you'll continue with me starting in verse 16, it says this, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. It says God heard the people who feared him. And that doesn't mean heard like, yeah, I heard the sermon, but I wasn't really listening to it. It means God listened to the people. It means he heard their words and he took them in. He, he understood and he, he paid attention to them. It says that he put their name in a book of remembrance. It says God will make them his treasured possession. That's an eternal reward. That's something to strive for, being God's treasured possession. What a blessing. And may I be so bold as to suggest that in the house and online this morning, we are all likely in one of those two groups. Now, there is a third group. We'll call it outside the walls because there's a group that is just angry with God, that is against God, refuses to believe, hates him, if you will. But there's a third group that we'll get to in a minute. But right now, within this house of believers, you're probably either struggling with the question, why bother? Why I follow these rules, these things that church makes me do? Is it worth it? Or you're in that second group. You fear the Lord, you serve the Lord, and yes, you are his treasured possession. I hope if you're in the first group, by the end of today, you'll be transferred into the second group. But either way, those are the two groups that are having the conversation. And again, what the first group is looking for is short-sighted things. Because you see, there is a distinction between the pursuit of temporary satisfaction and eternal future rewards. Those who trust in the Lord wait for the future reward, that which is to come, the things that we wait for. How many of you like to wait? No hands. Don't say that. No, nobody likes to wait. Maybe some things, maybe for your Christmas present, you, you wait past Christmas Eve into Christmas morning, okay. But nobody likes to wait. Nobody sits in the doctor's office and says, this is so pleasant. I think I'll just hang out here for a couple more hours because I'm having so much fun doing nothing, right? Waiting is not something we're designed to do. When my family and I uh, were privileged to serve in El Salvador uh, a little while back as missionaries, you know, when we got there, one of the things we had to learn to do was enjoy eating what's called a pupusa. The pupusa is the national dish of El Salvador. And if you're not familiar with it, it's basically a corn flour tortilla that is patted out and then stuffed with cheese and some type of meat or filling. You can get them with beef or uh, chicken. You can have it uh, with beans or, or garlic. Or There's lots of ways to have it. 
But what they'll do is then they'll pack that and they'll make that like a flat little, you know, stuffed pancake, if you will. Then they grill it on a, on a hot grill until it's browned. And they'll bring it and they'll serve it. And so when we, we first got there, we were so excited to try all these different versions. And, and what they do is they've got this conveyor belt line, if you will, of, of ladies who are making the pupusas. The restaurant just specialized just specialize in pupusas. And so you place your order and the ladies come in and they make them and they pop them out and they lay them all out on the grill and then they flip them all and then they serve them on this plate and they bring you this stacked plate of pupusas and set it in the middle of your table. And then we give a quick blessing and it smells so good and we're thanking the Lord for the goodness we're about to receive and we say amen and we reach out and before we can even put one on the plate, we grab it and shove it into your mouth and take a bite. Now do you know what happens to cheese when it's encased in a tortilla and grilled. If it's done properly, it becomes molten lava. And as the roof of your mouth sizzles and you play the ha, ha, ha game, you realize, man, I should have waited. Waiting would have been a wise thing right now. And you think maybe we learn that Doing this will scar the inside of your mouth for a really long time. But no, because the next time we gathered again at the restaurant, the first thing we do when the plate comes down, you grab it and put it in your mouth because it's so good. We don't like to wait. It's a clumsy example, yes, but, but we want what we want and we want it now. Right? 20 minutes in the oven, forget about it. 20 seconds in the microwave, boom. Right? Drive to a video rental store, Come on, boop, online, right? Save for this thing we want, this new car, home improvement. Nope, put it on the card. Give us what we want now. But all those things are temporary. They go away. In fact, the life that we're in the middle of enjoying is temporary also. It goes away too quickly. Remember what James says in chapter 4 of James in verse 13. He says, This come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist, a vapor, or you're a puff of smoke that appears for a little time and then vanishes. This life seems long when we're walking through it. You look through the eyes of a child and, you, and they say, you're 50, what? You're so old, right? We look at the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and 50s and 60s and all this time we have to enjoy. But if you ask anyone who's a generation or two older than you, They'll tell you how fast it goes. They'll tell you, I blinked. Here I am. We put our, our wants and our desires into this temporary setting that we have when it's gone, like a puff of smoke, like a vapor. God says, I have something better for you if you will follow me. I will give you the wisdom and instruction to live the best way that I've told you to live. And you do that for eternal rewards. Because of the hope that we find in God's word, 
we look toward the eternal, toward what will last and not be gone. Which brings us to our second point in the way that God answers his people here in Malachi, and that is that righteous judgment is coming. Righteous judgment is coming. That, that's not my thought or my words. That comes from God's word. God explains that there's something coming that you need to be aware of. Now, for the group that belongs to the Lord, whose name is written in his book and who he calls his treasured possession, there's a safety and a security in that. There's a hope in that. But for those who mock the Lord, look with me at Malachi chapter 4, starting in verse 1. He says this, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Those evildoers will get what's coming to them. Those arrogant, wicked people, they're going to get what they deserve. I'll be honest, there's a little part of me that likes that too, right? We want to hear that. We don't go into a movie rooting for the bad guy to get away with it, right? We don't read the novel thinking, man, I hope this, this evil villain just gets away, right? We look for that judgment. We look for that guy to get what's coming to him at the end. We look for the bad guys to get justice. Is that the first thing you thought too? Because if so, we're missing the point. We're missing the point of what this is telling us. Because if sinners get judgment from a righteous God, then I'm in that group. And so are you. Remember, no one is good except God alone. So if we're waiting for the coming righteous judgment, then all my sins are going to be judged. And I'm not getting away. Maybe some of you have lived the perfect life, but I haven't, and I don't know anyone who has. In fact, the Bible says that none are righteous, that all have sinned and fall short of God's standard of perfection, of his glory. So we're all in that camp. We're all going to get set ablaze, except for the grace of the cross. That's why the rescue mission of Christmas is so important. That's why we celebrate the child in the manger. That's why we celebrate the lamb who had come to live a perfect spotless life, to be sent to a cross that he did not deserve, to be beaten, mocked, abused, spit upon, his beard ripped out, his back scourged, whipped and crucified for no other reason than to save 
those he loves. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not the gifts. It's not the lights or the trees or the decorations. It's that moment that says, this was important enough for the creator of the universe to remove his glory and step down into our temporary reality. For him to come down and offer himself to lay his own life down as a sacrifice so that I would not have to face the righteous judgment that's coming. If you've never heard this message before, it sounds strange. I get it. There's a lot to it. But the reality is, I put my faith in Jesus because he has paid for my sins. He took on that punishment for me. And that makes me want to follow him and worship him and honor him and be better. Because when someone sacrifices themselves for you, you want to give back. You want to say thank you. You want to do something to lessen the punishment they're taking in my place. So we can look forward to a safe place during the coming judgment. I hope that you all in the room are in that group. I hope you've made Jesus Lord of your life. I hope you watching online who are wondering, wanting to know about this, I, I hope that you know that Jesus died for you and loves you. And if you don't understand that or have questions about that, I would love to talk to you. I would love to chat with you and explain it more. But if you are in that group, if you call Jesus Lord, if you've been saved, if you are in the family, what about those who will perish? What about the ones who are facing the judgment? There is a coming judgment and a great separation. What about them? Those who choose not to accept the Son of God for who he is and what he did will be cast out of his presence. That's the choice they will make, is to walk away. <laughs> But we are called to do everything in our power to tell them the good news, the great news, the unbelievable news that Jesus has paid the price for their sin. Jesus has already made that sacrifice so they don't have to face that judgment. We're called to tell them that the Son of Righteousness, S-O-N, is bringing healing in His hands. That's what we have to tell others we, the church, have to tell those that we love how this thing ends. If you haven't read to the last page, we know what's coming. It's already written. We have to tell those we love what is going to happen. And we have to tell those that we like somewhat what's going to happen. And we have to tell those that we don't like what's going to happen and we have to tell those that we even hate what's going to happen. You can't be a faithful follower of Jesus and hate your brother or your sister 
your father or your mother, with a neighbor who annoys you, or even that person who's done that really wrong thing to you. You can't worship God and hold on to hate. It doesn't work that way. You can struggle with it, you can fight with it, you can take it to God, and you can weep over it, but you can't hold on to it and say, I've earned this hate. I've earned this because what has happened to me. I've earned this, and I won't let it go. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, but I still hate this. You can't. We're not given that opportunity. We're not allowed to do that because of what Jesus did. Look, I get it. I don't know what that person did to you. I will never understand. But God does. I, I can't just say how you forgive. I can't, I can't give you that knowledge, but God can. I can't wish it away and pretend it didn't happen, but God knows your situation and how you're feeling. And as evidenced by the cross, he loves you. So he can help you with that hate. But what we have to do is share the message of hope. Because otherwise, we're putting ourselves in that same place. We can't say, I hope you get what's coming to you. And I hope you're going to be ashes under my feet. Because Jesus has saved me from that penalty. But you don't deserve it. Because I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. Yet, God says, I love you enough that I will pay the price for you. There is a coming judgment and a great separation that's going to happen. And now you know that. Those who follow God and read his word know that. And as we close out the crazy year that has been 2020, we only have a few more days left. And I'm asking you, I am urging you, I am imploring you, I don't know what the other words to use, I'm, I'm begging you, share the message with the person who needs to hear it. Make that phone call. Take the trip. Go to the house. Send the text. Write the email. Put it in a letter. The mail still runs sometimes. Do whatever it takes to tell that person that they can escape judgment. Because this life is a vapor. And that person may be gone like that. And he'll say, why did I wait? Why was I afraid to have this conversation with this person that I care about? Why did I not make it a priority?
why did I wait? Don't wait. This life is short, and tomorrow is not promised. Don't let the day go by. Don't let the year go by. Decide now that you'll make that call. That you'll talk to that person. Decide now. And do it. So what do we do with the rest of the message? How do we wrap this up? Malachi gives us some instructions on how we proceed from here. Join with me. Malachi 4, verse 4. He says, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. That's how the book ends. That's how the Old Testament ends in our arrangement of the books. And then the people waited for 400 years. You talk about temporary versus eternal. 400 years they waited for the child to be born in the manger. God says, what I've promised is coming, but you might not see it tomorrow or the next day or the next day. There is a judgment coming for some, that brings hope and security. And for some, that's cause for concern. But what are we to do until that happens? We are to remember and obey the law of the Lord. He's referring to the Ten Commandments that were given in the Old Testament. But, but if, if we could sum those up as Jesus did, love God and love others, all others. Love God, love others. Remember that. And look forward to the coming day of the Lord as a treasured possession that you are. Because serving the Lord is never futile. It's never useless. It's never in vain. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth nor rust will corrupt it. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven that are eternal, that will not pass away, like the car or the house or the job or the stuff. Store up for yourselves treasures that matter. Because in the coming day of the Lord, you will be blessed by that.